the Macworld Podcast, episode 536 for November 30th, 2016. Folks, welcome back to the Macworld Podcast as we close out the year, starting to close out the year. It's not quite there yet, but we're getting towards the end of 2016 and what a year it's been. Uh, but we shall never talk of it again. Susie Oaks, <laughs> uh, executive editor of Macworld, joins me as she does almost every week. Hello, Susie. Hi, Glenn. I'm just going to forget this year and perhaps several following. We'll see. Yeah. It's up for negotiation. Um, what a year. What a year. But uh, this carbuncle is almost over and more carbuncles to come. We still got a whole month left. Yeah. There's like well, 12% of the year or whatever. What, 8% of the year still to go? There's time for the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse to show up. So Yeah. Four weeks, Four Horsemen. <laughs> Advent or Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse? You choose. <laughs> <laughs> the, the horseman calendar They've is very popular. They've got little advent ca- candles like on their helmets or that's whatever. Right. That's right. They bring candy and pestilence, plague, famine, <laughs> and starvation. Oh, this sorry, is the disease. best podcast ever. <laughs> uh, so happy. Yes, happy. Uh, uh, we have a little turkey left, but not much. And uh, as we as we slide right into December, um, we don't expect uh, much news from Apple this next month. Uh, you never know with them. But uh, AirPods, they need to release those darn AirPods. Yeah, they, you know, it's execution issues, execution issues. Something's, yeah. The people, people who got them with the review units of the iPhone 7, they say they're really great, but kind of buggy. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I would really like it if those came out and were not buggy. That would, that's my holiday wish. Yeah. At that price, they better not be buggy. That's the, I know. That's the thing. Well, I mean, that's pretty good for, for earbuds like that, like those little wireless ones, the, the, the good ones are they're quite expensive. So and Apple's have, you know, some natural advantages being so tied into the OS. So I am resigned to to buying them with my own with my own money. I just want Apple to make that possible. I don't want something that's gonna fall out of my ear and I'm gonna lose. That's that's my bottom line because I I, I am not great. I'm terrible with at losing stuff too. I don't know where my Apple pencil is. Just real talk. <laughs> no idea. It's somewhere, but I don't know where. Find my eye pencil. Doesn't work. Yeah. Find it. Where is it? I know where mine is. It's right there in front of me. Um, apparently, the magnetism on the iPad Pro. I didn't realize this. It's, it's got it's got stronger magnetism at one top or bottom. I've forgotten which. So if you uh, do the thing where it it sort of sits on the edge of the Pro to and holds the pencil in, if you slide it, I think it's down towards the bottom. It actually has a much stronger connection, which I didn't know. Mm. Someone just told me that. Um, so we got a bunch of we. This is a uh, potpourri, a grab bag of stories this week because we're kind of uh, between things happening. And hopefully, folks, you'll excuse me. I'm getting over a nasty cold, so there may be wheezing and coughing. Your poor host and Susie's getting sick. It's a great, it's the sick cast, but we won't catch you ill. We're pretty sure. Pretty sure it doesn't work that way. But can't be sure. <laughs> uh, speaking of illnesses, uh, spam. Spam is a kind of disease. Um, this last week, there was uh, an outbreak around um, American Thanksgiving of people getting these strange calendar invites that showed up all across their calendars promising uh, discounts on Ugg boots and Ray-Bans and so forth. And Susie, I understand none of these showed up on your Macintosh or iPhone. I didn't get any, and I'm a little surprised because um, discount Ray-Ban span is like my jam. It's everywhere. 
this like it's on, you know, it's like Facebook and email and everyone's always pushing their discount Ray-Bans on me. So I'm surprised I didn't get it, but no, I didn't. Did you? I didn't know that uh, Ray-Bans were still a thing, but um, I did. And I, I regularly get a little bit of spam via uh, text and occasionally through an iMessage. And uh, this was new. I'd heard it was going on. I saw some stories and some uh, Twitter uh, reporting on it um, and – People saying on Twitter, "Oh, this is going on," or on Facebook, and then I got uh, I and my wife both got these, you know, these things. And what it shows up as, it looks like it's a calendar invite. So, depending on how you use calendar and look at upcoming events, it will just show up as a thing that mm-hmm. needs to be responded to, and it's got a URL in it, and it just looks like, hey, someone somehow managed to put spam in my calendar, which sucks. Uh, yep. And what the the source of it? I wrote a little piece for MacWorld. You go to MacWorld.com to find it. Uh, and uh, there's, you can find how-tos actually all over the internet now about disabling it. The issue is that iCloud at the server level, not in uh, macOS calendar software or in iOS, at the server level, when you have incoming mail to your iCloud.com account or me.com or mac.com, all the same thing, iCloud will parse for uh, .ics files and it will look to see if there are any of those contain invitations and if there's an invitation in one it'll extract it and present it as a notification as a service to you so and it's very handy most of the time that's why this is such a bummer because it takes something that's like it's handy it's convenient it's making your experience better and they're ruining it and <laughs> the only way to really fight it is to go in and turn off this like nice handy service yeah it's a pain because I mean this is different from there's micro formats which is a different thing where if you go to a web page you get email that has um, an invitation or an appointment information or a phone number there's all these things where um, iOS and Mac OS are pretty savvy now about recognizing them so you can add something from a web page or an email you can add it to your calendar or add a phone number to your contacts this is separate because it's an attachment file that's getting parsed so in at icloud.com which as i discovered recently you cannot access i always forget this you can't access icloud.com from ios for some reason apple doesn't want you to do that even though there's only that's right there are some things you can only do via icloud.com on you can't do it through um through the settings or uh, other methods or individual apps. So it's irritating. You can do that thing where you bring up the share sheet. So you go to iCloud.com. It says, hey, use one of these fine programs. You bring up the share sheet and you select request as desktop site. Then you can access it, but it's inconvenient because it's not formatted for your phone. So hmm. Apple has this weird lacuna. So you have to go to iCloud.com. You go to the calendar. You click on the uh, gear icon on the lower left, you click on preferences, you click on advanced, then there's an option that says like deliver emails or, you know, show notifications at the bottom and you switch it from um, in-app uh, notifications to email. And then it just sends you, instead of it extracting these, it sends them or it passes them on as email and then, you know, it'll get spam filtered. So it's an unfortunate thing. You're right. Cause it's a nice feature. Uh, but of course, uh, spam makes us all crazy because it it ruins things that are good by finding these paths of least resistance. Now, the thing is, some people are saying this was a new uh, problem, and um, or you know, it was strange that it hadn't been exploited before, because it's not a a bug per se. It's just a kind of a method of doing something. And I was searching for uh, to make sure I had all the different ideas people had about solving it. And I found a post back from months ago in which someone received uh, exactly the same thing. So spammers hadn't yet discovered it and paired it with a lot of Mac.com or iCloud.com addresses. So my guess is 
someone decided to run this spam uh, with uh, a huge um, supply of iCloud addresses that they'd obtained, and that's why it became a big deal. So they ran it against you know hundreds of thousands or millions of addresses, and previous ones obviously didn't uh, go against that big a uh, crowd. Huh? Spammers. Gotta love yeah, them. I mean, no, we don't. We don't worst. have to love them. We have to not love them. I don't need any UGG boots. I don't need any Ray Bans. Thank you very much. So could Apple fix this on their end so people can still use the notification? Yeah, feature? they could. I mean, I'm was confused about it. I disabled it because it was irritating, and uh, before I had a chance to mess around with it much, and then I couldn't get it to work again. I turned it back on because someone said, uh, "So, oh, this is a related problem, which is iOS lets you delete invitations, but you cannot delete invitations in." Uh, Mac OS, you can only respond. And if you respond to an invitation, there's like accept, maybe, and decline. If you respond, that information can go back to the person who invited you, which means the spammer gets information that you received it and responded, then yeah. your email address is more valuable. And like it's you un- shouldn't click an unsubscribe link in a spam for the same reason. Because, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So on uh, iOS, I was able to swipe left on the invitation and choose delete, uh, which um, some people have said since the article went up, I got at least one response where someone said, uh, that wasn't available to them. Uh, and then in macOS, you can't. And so the suggestion there is you assign the invitation to a uh, spam calendar. You make a calendar called spam, you assign it there, then you delete the calendar, and then you say delete and don't notify when it prompts you, and that should get rid of the notifications. But uh, it seems like there may be um, some intricacies there that are still not working correctly for everybody. But you definitely hmm. don't want to uh, you don't want to click uh, decline. Um but once it's changed, yeah, I mean, Apple could I, – I, oh, so the thing I didn't test was it seems like these things are obvious spam and should be caught by iCloud's uh, spam filters even without you having trained them. And if it's spam, is it still parsing? I don't know. So maybe Apple could fix this by more aggressively uh, not including um, invitation or a calendar uh, uh, invitations from spam messages. So something may be wrong there, but it may just be that if it doesn't get spam filtered initially, it, c- it comes through. Yeah. But everyone will have turned it off. So unless Apple fixes, I mean, everyone who has who has the ability to turn it off will turn it off. Uh, so unless Apple um, makes some kind of significant change, everyone will just have it off, and it just won't be a feature that people use anymore or can rely on. Um, along those lines, oh, I have this a different item. Uh, this this came out last week. Also, just in case people weren't aware, there's a, a video going around that if you play the video, it crashes your iPhone. Hooray! Uh, so don't play that video. <laughs> we have an article up about it, but it's I won't uh, uh, corrupt your phone, but it just it will actually cause your iPhone to crash. And, but I love playing video. Uh, there are some uh, 10.2 uh, beta and uh, some betas out of a bunch of different Apple operating system releases, and the 10.2 beta apparently, at least the version uh, tested last week, will still crash with this. So Apple ostensibly will figure this out and fix it, but right now... There you go. People might try to rickroll you with an iPhone crashing video. Sweet. Don't rickroll your friends, you know, or they might give you up. They might let you down. AT&T has a new thing out that was under discussion for a long time. They've got a deal with uh, DirecTV. Or they're or, uh, actually, I've forgotten now. And it's funny. I keep losing who who owns who. Is Directv part of AT&T now? Yes. Yeah. So yes. they bought. Uh, like yeah. when you do, if you do one of those bundles. They want to that that's that's their TV offering is Directv. If you do right, like a they also do phone, a, internet, TV, 
security kind of, you know, Comcast-ish bundle. Well, it's confusing because AT&T has Universe, which lets you, uh, they can deliver that oh, over yeah. fiber. Well, there's, this is the difference between uh, like Verizon's Fios service and Google Fiber and so forth. They're fiber to the home where they're actually bringing you, you know, super fast connections and they provision their own uh, service over that. AT&T and a couple other providers have fiber to the node or fiber to the net, the neighborhood or whatever, um, which is uh, brings it locally so they can get pretty fast speeds, but not as fast as direct fiber. And I believe AT&T does offer, I'm, I'm sorry, AT&T does offer, uh, you know, the equivalent of cable over that fiber backed offering. Uh, but for the customers that aren't in any of the AT&T service areas, then DirecTV became their satellite, you know, essentially partner backup for TV delivery. So now they're offering uh, an internet-based package with DirecTV. And the reason it's a little confusing, uh, you're, I, I do not watch that much television. I currently have subscriptions to Hulu because I'm watching Adventure Time for the first time and they have it. There's other programs my kids like, and I do not have a Netflix subscription at the moment, and I have HBO Now because I wanted to watch Westworld, and um, I timed it so this is how sneaky I am. Uh, there's a 30-day free trial of HBO Now, and I started watching Westworld late, and it's only 10 episodes. So next week is the last episode, after which point I plan to cancel HBO Now, and I might be within 60 days. So I might have wound up paying for a single month of HBO Now to watch all of Westworld uh, when it came out. So that's, that's how sneaky I am. Um, I didn't find anything else on HBO that I really want to watch religiously or catch up on yet. But, you know, I can always turn it back on. It's nice to have this on-demand uh, service. Yeah, it really is. Uh, so DirecTV, the AT&T deal, um, it doesn't look like there's a better arrangement for its subscribers. Like it, like if you're an AT&T wireless subscriber uh, and you sign up, you can stream without – you can without using your uh, consuming data – on your plan, but it doesn't look like um, you get any other arrangements if you you don't get a discount or anything. Um, but they're doing this funny thing, Susie. That the it's gonna uh, they have a three plans: sixty channels, eighty channels, hundred channels, more or less. And then there's like a hundred and twenty channel option, even. And um, you know the, you'd have to go through and dig into each packages. But the basic package includes like Comedy Central, Nickelodeon, and so forth. Uh, and then um, you can pay an additional extra fee for HBO and I gather Cinemax to at least five bucks a month, which is pretty cheap to add those on. But the starting offer is if you subscribe now, you pay $35 a month to get the 100 panel, hundred pa- channel package, which is normally 60 bucks. And then as long as you don't cancel that service, you keep that $35 rate indefinitely. Ooh. And they say they can raise it for, you know, reasonable rate increases over time, which we know what that means. Uh, but, you know, they're trying to lock people into this service where everything else seems more expensive because they'd be switching. It's an, an interesting competitive option. Yeah, that makes sense because some of the cable ones where you get, you know, the box and everything, like traditional cable packages, most of those, in my experience, will start you at a lower rate but then jack it up after a year or maybe a year and a half um, because they know that changing is a pain in the butt. But if something's coming, like, over the internet to your Apple TV, changing is no big deal. Like, you can just cancel that one, get the other one. Most of these packages, like PlayStation View and Sling, which I use, and this one, they have mostly the same channels. Um, So, yeah, switching is going to be a lot easier. And hopefully that will um, cause companies to have more user-friendly policies, like not, you know, raising the rates too much and maybe some kind of pricing war would be wonderful. But yeah, we'll see. Um, uh, uh, Agam, um, one of our reporters out in New York, um, got hands-on at an event yesterday and he 
has tried Sling and he's tried PlayStation View and he's like, I'm getting this one. It launches, I think, tomorrow. And he's he's in. He's signing up. So that's promising. Um, yeah, I'm sure our friends at TechHive who cover the cord cutting beat very, very well. Um, Jared Newman does a cord cutter confidential column over there that is super good. Um, I'm sure they're going to be all over it with lots of follow-up. Excellent. And if you... Uh, if you uh, prepay, you have to pay. Uh, you have to buy uh, three months of service ahead of time. You can get a um, uh, an Apple TV. Looks like, although it's clearly yeah. So they they think it's going to be the cheaper Apple TV, the thirty two gigabyte model. Uh, if you sign up for one month of service, you can get a Fire TV stick, and three months you can get an Apple TV. Uh, which is normally 150 bucks. So I guess, the, and uh, should note, this works on all kinds of devices too. So it's uh, you know Amazon Fire TV, Fire TV Stick, Apple TV, iOS, Android, Chromecast. Um, although, let's see. Oh, interesting. It says uh, iOS isn't going to launch until next year. So mm-hmm. Apple TV will be immediate, but the other iOS support will be in 2017. Uh, Google Cast, Vizio Smartcast, and also through browsers. Oh, ostensibly. So, yeah. So you'll have options. But I wonder if that means that um, – so you can do it on a Mac, but I wonder if that means you can't – so if it's launching on November 30th, ostensibly you will not be able to use an iPhone or iPad to access it until 2017, uh, which is why maybe they're giving away Apple TVs to make sure they get Mac or uh, Apple ecosystem people uh, sucked in. Yeah, probably. But it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, these are the kinds of things that entice people. I just don't want to pay that much for something I don't use uh, often enough. But when it gets down to a certain price, then it becomes more appealing to somebody like me who is a cord cutter. And I'm, you know, I've become much more of a, uh, you know, we had Netflix for many, many years and we finally canceled because we just were not using very much of it. And now we might resume it because I want to watch Little Prince. Uh, I never watched the. That was good. Yeah, I heard it was great. And then I just Ki- started watching The Crown too. The Crown is really good. And Kimmy Schmidt, we never watched the prequel. Cool Kimmy Schmidt. So there's stuff that we want to watch where we'll bring up a service. It's still it's so irritating to be in the future where like every different program requires now a different subscription. But yeah. we've talked about that. I know we're so into being cord cutters, and now these packages are coming out, and they're pretty much just like cable packages. And I'm like, ooh, these are great. And it's like, this is exactly what I quit cable to get away from. Right. But, you know, I, I didn't like paying all that money to Comcast. These are cheaper. and But they're still, you know, they're, they're still catching up. So um, Sling, I saw, just added a DVR service to compete with PlayStation View. I don't know if this DirecTV now has it. Um, so that's you know that's something that they're adding that's very much like cable um but yeah it's like we're still not getting the things that you know the cord cutters were kind of pie in the sky wishes which was i just want you know a channel a menu of channels and i say i want this one and this one but not that one and this one and that one and just really do a la carte like create your own bundle the salad bar method and we haven't seen that yet in any of these bundles but you know, I, I still think they're better than than cable. You don't have to deal with a box. You don't have to have someone come over to your house and try to set it up for you and not have the right equipment and trample your flowers and all all that stuff. So well, a lot of stuff like, you can turn on and off too. It's like you want you want it for a month and you want to binge, then great, mm-hmm. and then you turn it off and you're not locked into these. Uh, as far as I know, I um I don't think any of the stuff that you get on Apple TV 
that you can subscribe through Apple TV or use an Apple TV. I may be wrong about that. I don't think any of them have a lock-in. Like, I can't think of any. No, I can't uh, either. Yeah, there's no contract requirement for most of the streaming. Or I mean, like, yeah, I don't think any. I mean, if you do, there's some of these deals. Like, you prepay to get a free Apple TV, you're locked in for three months at, you know, 35 yeah. bucks a month. It's a big uh, like horror. Like, Prime Video, I pay once a year, but that's not even, you know, I could cancel it whenever and bring it that's back right. whenever. I think they prorate it if you cancel it, too. Yeah, I think they do. Um, so yeah, so it's a it's a brave brave new world. But yeah, the a la carte model does not work for the channel thing still, I as I understand it, because less popular channels that they uh, just wouldn't get picked up, and so if they can't bundle it all together, uh, it just is unaffordable to keep producing some channels. So there's still a lot, and because some cable companies also own cable channels, and some production companies uh, that have popular stuff require like you know major networks require certain channels to be carried as part of packages in order to subsidize those channels uh it's you know there's a lot of leverage going on that has nothing to do with what we want to watch it'll eventually break down though because i don't think this model is sustainable in a world of infinite content at um you know ever dropping prices seems like that speaking of channels and infinite content um there's another story that uh according to variety um these direct tv now service is going to have a whole channel called taylor swift now that will just be all taylor swift all the time videos concert performances behind the scenes footage and more from the archives um and then uh, and she's got a multi-year you know deal with them and then uh reese witherspoon is also getting a video on demand channel um she was also already doing some content with uh, a company called otter media and so she's going to have kind of her own sort of oprah like network with all all her you know lifestyle stuff so so that's sort of interesting like there's kind of like it's almost a blur between like a bridge between like podcasting or something where just people do it and just put out very targeted things like specifically to one audience and then making that into an entire channel. So yeah, that could be good or it could just be a waste of time. But I mean, since the the main channel packages are so similar between these um, services, it makes sense that, you know, they would have to do something to try to differentiate themselves. And we've heard rumors about Apple TV, like wanting uh, Apple wanting to work with directly with content creators to, to make um, content for either Apple Music or Apple TV. Um, we're not totally sure yet because they're so mysterious, but I mean, they're working on their, their app reality show and um, maybe that Dr. Dre or, orgy show. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, Dr. Yeah. Dre orgy show, that'll maybe, be fascinating. Maybe Apple will finally jump in here soon, but yeah, they're, they're getting, you know, the other companies are racing ahead. So we'll see if Apple can catch up. Uh, so we we have a whole like I say a potpourri of miscellaneous information this week. Uh, if you have an Apple iPhone. 6s and you've had trouble with the battery or you're concerned that you might have trouble at some point uh, app- shutting down i guess some of them yeah or some will drop from like 60 percent to 50 percent instantly i saw in one uh, report uh, i have an iphone 6s and i haven't seen this but there's um there's a a or serial number range that uh you can basically get covered and i think the deal is you'll get three years of battery support essentially so even mm-hmm. after um, the first year that's included or a second year that would be covered under apple care plus if you had that um, i think it's it sounds like i don't know if you can just go in and change it out but it sounded like there was a battery shortage like there might be a backlog if you're trying to get it swapped uh mm-hmm. now but the um, nine to five mac had the serial number range and it's if the fourth character in your serial number is q and the fifth is either between numbers three and nine 
Nine or CDFG HRJ. Memorize that, folks. Uh, yeah. Or follow the link in the show notes. Uh, but they have the uh, the serial number ranges. So and I checked, and mine is like you know has a QC or something in it in those positions. So I'm affected. Mm. Uh, so at some point, I'll you know I'll wait because I'm not having trouble. And when the uh, when the current rush is over and people with actual trouble have managed to get their stuff warrantied, then I will go in and do it. Um, yeah, it, I'll have to check. My husband's been complaining about that with his iPhone 6, but I figured that was, you know, it was just getting old or something. Well, maybe. I mean, the, the, the thing is, there's supposed to be, I think the number is still like 400 uh, full charges before the battery uh, will no longer take more than like an 80% charge or some rubric like that. But a full charge isn't like um, every time you plug it in, it's like if you if you drop it to 50% and you charge it to 100%, drop it to 50, charge it to 100, that's one full charge. So ostensibly, it should take at least two years, maybe longer before, uh, you know, really serious daily use um, before you would get your battery declined to a point where it would only uh, – take an 80% charge. I believe if you have AppleCare Plus, you can push to get a battery replacement early because the test there is that the battery needs to not hold up. It's a little bit, it's not 50%, but it might be higher. You can go in and say, look, my battery won't hold more than X percent charge. I'm under AppleCare Plus and they will swap it out under the extended warranty. In this case, you can just go in and say, I have an iPhone 6S and it's in this range, but uh, you don't want to do that until you know they have supply. You may want to call an Apple store if you're taking it in to make sure they have the batteries in stock and can do it same day or whatever you need. But that's good they're recognizing this. I still think the iPhone, the uh, 6 Plus uh, uh, touch disease, I still think it's odd they're charging for it, but uh, we'll see. I mean, with last account, they were charging for it, but that may still change because it may wind up being a warranty issue. Yeah. Manufacturing issue. Um, Related, too, we saw this story about uh, the new MacBook Pros have soldered in their uh, SSDs. So uh, MacBooks have increasingly, like Macs, been uh, unable to have any user swappable parts or even then then ostensibly not even be able to replace – repair things that go bad the way it's assembled. Uh, So it apparently takes uh, less space and materials and so forth that they solder it in. It's – if you have a socket, there's things that go wrong at the socket and it's extra parts. So this is part of Apple's all-in-one single assembly thing they've been moving towards and – they, the issue is if you can't take the SSD out, how do you recover a crashed computer where the SSD is fine? You're trying to recover your data. So Apple apparently has some wacky uh, Genius Bar tool that lets them take out effectively the whole motherboard, sort of plug it into another thing, and then clone the drive. So if the data is recoverable, uh, you'll be able to recover it at an Apple store, which is uh, good news. That's pretty cool. Good news. Um Another little tidbit that came up uh, from a reader a couple weeks ago that I just thought was interesting to mention because as I've asked around, people were kind of surprised by uh, iCloud. Uh, Did you know that iCloud has limitations on the number of emails and addresses you can send to every day? I did not know that. I have not encountered it. It's fairly high. It's like I don't use my iCloud email at all. It's maybe why I didn't fall prey to the. Uh, invite spam. Well, oh, that's good. Yeah, I don't. Well, it's if someone can email you, it's the problem. Even if you don't use it, but if your if your iCloud address isn't out there, you can't fall. Yeah, I just never that. use that address. Yeah, so I, it doesn't get much email at all. Um, it gets email from Apple when they want to sell me something. That's right. So unless Apple leaks, but so um, the thing I'm is, like, there what? is a re- there's a new iPad. Shut up. There's, that's right. <laughs> I had no idea. I think Thank I you, finally Apple. unsubscribed to those. The, the worst part about that is on on the Mac. You know, Apple set a special rule that's preset in Mail that highlights Apple messages in blue. Oh, 
so lame. I think I have a, a Mac, <laughs> I wrote a Mac 911 column about how to remove that rule because people are like, why does Apple's mail show up? I'm yeah, like, oh, well, that's just obnoxious. I know, I know. Because I was like, why is their mail showing up blue? I'm like, oh, they made a rule that color codes it. It's actually useful. If you use mail for Mac OS, uh, you can do things like color code messages and sort. It's got some really nice rule setting capabilities. So you want to highlight people or have a special like priority mailbox, you can set up your own thing and say, the messages from these people get put on top or marked as high priority or I love mail you. just for the VIP feature. Like if if you're not in my VIP inbox, I'm probably not going to see your email. No, I dig that on my phone where I can see a high priority person that just pops yep. up as a notification. Well, so iCloud yeah. has uh, – someone wrote in because they got locked out of their account uh, for 24 hours. Uh, they said they couldn't send. They got an error message. And the deal is there's a 100 recipient limit with iCloud, but then there's also, you can't send more than 100, you can't CC more than 100 people or BCC or whatever. However, you can also not send out more than 200 messages a day. And over the course of a day, you can't send out to more than 1,000 recipients total. And that sounds like a lot, but I know people who do things like they do essentially manual mailing lists. So they have all these, you know, BCCs or CCs because they're running a scout group or uh, they're, you know, it's a, a bunch of people who uh, are part of some school thing or it's a sports group or whatever. And you wind up with, you know, 50 or 60 people either CC'd or BCC'd in the list and you go back and forth a few times and suddenly it's like, hey, yep, you already sent mail to a thousand people a day. It's like, what? You know, and I think they may deduplicate it. I forget if they track uh, individual people on it or not, but you could wind up easily, you know, you do a bunch of back and forth to schedule something and your routine email and you could hit 200 messages. Someone on uh, our, our Facebook uh, site commented on this article and said, well, no normal person's going to be doing that. It's like, well, no, if you're doing certain kinds of things, you could wind up or if you're, you know, because Apple says it's for personal use, not for business, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Google has higher limits. I dug into this because I was curious and it's um, 500 messages a day with their personal account, no more than 500 recipients in a message. Which is, you know, but a little all five hundred emails could have five hundred people in them, and that would be okay. I believe Whereas that's Apple correct. Apple would cut you off after yeah. two. And then I pay for ha- the fast mail, uh, which is pretty cheap. It starts at three dollars a month, and I've been using them for years because they do interest. They let you uh, collect email for a bunch of domains and send them to specific mailboxes and tag them. And uh, so for three dollars a month, there you can get four thousand outgoing emails a day, and then the limits go up. So. The, you know that's a paid service so it makes it makes sense but anyway if you've encountered that that's why it's like it's not secret you can just search and find it but this user was kind of stunned to get the message I dug around and found the limits she's like huh I didn't know those existed and I'm like well you know occasionally people go over these perfectly reasonable limits so we talked um this is a little bit of a bigger topic we talked uh, I think last week or the week before about changes that could happen under a Trump administration without getting into the political aspects of it but you know one of his uh, campaign uh, stump speech things was about how he needs to bring manufacturing back to the U.S., however practical or impractical that is, and Apple was cited. Uh, and there was some discussion about um, in the last week that I thought was interesting was um, that uh, the Trump administration could conceivably offer Apple incentives instead of penalties and tariffs. Incentives and disincentives. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, so, there, you know, so there's discussion that Trump might try to impose, which is president, uh, my understanding from reading uh, all this is he would have broad authority to impose uh, tariffs without having to get approval of uh, Congress, although it oh, would no, really? disrupt things pretty badly. But, you know, hey, there's these things that may happen. But uh, – Apple has all this money stowed outside the U.S. that they've made, you know, honestly, they just don't want to repatriate it because of 
uh, what they consider a high tax rate to bring it back in here. And they spend that money, they claim, a lot of these companies with, you know, I think somewhere in the trillions of dollars uh, stored outside the U.S., they say, well, we use this money to pay expenses outside the U.S. But the issue is the money piles keep getting bigger. So if you have expenses, they should be getting smaller. But, you know, this is a way to uh, keep money out of the reach of U.S. taxation legally. And there's been a lot of discussion. There was discussion in the Obama administration about some bipartisan effort. This can be discussion in the Trump administration, I think, for the same thing about how to reform uh, the corporate tax code to remove uh, loopholes and make a standard rate that's maybe lower because the effective rate is lower. You know, the standard rate is 35%. The standard rate is a lot lower because a lot of companies have worked out so many loopholes that they pay much less than um, up to the proposed 15% rate. That's one that's been floated. So anyway – it's possible a deal could get struck where in order that um, if Apple moves some of its manufacturing or changed up some of what it does to bring some jobs back here or to you know do some part of whatever, uh, that it would be able to repatriate money and that some tariffs wouldn't be levied. So uh, it still sounds like it would be substantially more expensive to build iPhones in their entirety here. And that's partly because China has this incredibly integrated manufacturing economy. So it's partly because everything you need is right there. Yeah. <laughs> it's all in the same country, all in the same place. Yeah, they'd have to get a new supply chain and like just move everything. Like it's not just like, oh, we'll build a factory. And I mean, because like a lot of like our car is a Subaru, right? So that's a Japanese car, but it was assembled at a plant here because they shipped the parts over and then assemble them here. Right. So they could, you know, maybe do that with iPhones, but then there's just all these roadblocks. Um, the, the factories where they make them are huge and just require a lot of skilled people. That's the excuse that Tim Cook has been giving for, for I think oh, a couple yeah, of years yeah. now. It's just like, okay, like we have if you got everyone who knew, you know, about like metal science, like materials, like that we need in America, um, it would fill like this room that we're talking in. I think he was talking to Charlie Rose and then he's like, but in China, like it would be like football fields full of engineers. And we just like, we can't, we can't staff the, the, the fact, you know, what, what we would need just on the scale that they make iPhones, they sell up to like 400 iPhones a minute. So this isn't just, you know, like you can have a, a bespoke like hipster company. <laughs> like in a little factory outside of Austin or something. And they do, they make Mac pros outside of Austin actually. Um, but that's probably their least selling product that they have. Right. And the part, so, it's a high value, it's a super high value product. So they have a lot more margin to mess around with it. Yes. And, and frankly, the Mac pro has a relatively simple, you know, it's, it's relatively simple because it doesn't have to be tiny. You know, it's not the smallest Mac. It's right. not yeah. the most advanced thing. It doesn't have a battery. You know, it's, it's all, all those things are missing. It has a power supply and a motherboard, um, and a fancy case that's made in relatively small quantities. Um, the related thing here too, is that, uh, uh, the last time I saw a real drill down in terms of where the value, the like the expenses and the value come in an iPhone in particular, the Chinese part is very small because in many cases the chips are made elsewhere and shipped to China or they may be made under contract by like a German or other company in China. Um, the assembly is a – the labor costs are all very low. So in fact, there's not much value to be recaptured. It, if you brought – so be, if you're talking about 10% of the expense of the iPhone – being brought to back to America that doesn't translate to enough money uh, in our cost of living because Chinese wages right, have gone yeah. way. I mean, the wages in China, apparently it's, it's incredible how much the Chinese economy has the, the uh, difference in value has now been reduced over time. And China is allowing the renminbi, its currency to float 
uh, a bit more as an official range. But um, some of the stuff that we had seen in years past about currency manipulation claims and um, other kinds of just, you know, if someone could live on a dollar a day there and it takes $100 a day to live in America, that's an exaggeration, uh, <laughs> then, you know, obviously you can pay them less in China. Excuse me. Plus fewer labor restrictions, but now there are more labor laws. Apple enforces a stricter labor policy among its contractors, um, and uh, so there's limits on how much any one person can want can work, and the cost of living has just gone up, especially in, in near cities. So Foxconn can't charge. You know they're going to charge the lowest possible rate to Apple that makes them the most money, and that rate has to go up. So. Um, it's just, uh, you know, we, we've talked about this a little bit, the key advantage, uh, or the key driving factor in the reduction of manufacturing jobs in America is not China, but robots. Yeah. And that's going to continue. So conceivably Apple could, you know, Apple had this amazing thing back in, um, oh, I forget what it was. Was it 19, was, it was back in the late eighties. I think they built a factory in Fremont, California, where I, uh, mm-hmm. was, where I, uh, spent my single digit years that was i believe the first like fully automated computer manufacturing plant or something it yeah, made that Macs. Rings a bell. Yeah. yeah it made max and that was a huge thing because they had made it affordable to bring max to america but it was because there were very few people involved and apple's data centers all you know face i went to see a facebook data center in prineville oregon a few years ago and it was massive 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 and they have like 40 or 50 full-time employees yeah. You know, and they expanded. I think they've tripled the size or more, and they probably have like a hundred people now. So a lot of stuff that requires um, that generates a lot of money and that provides services to a lot of people doesn't involve that many workers. So um, it's an interesting quandary. But you know, I, yeah, Apple's biggest impact on the on the you know local you know economy and, and employment and stuff is probably all in like the retail and service end, like the, the manufacturing. Like it's just, yeah, I don't think it's going to be like the magic wand. Even if Apple did like start making some iPhones in America, and they they asked Foxconn to to work up a report, so it's not like they're just you know rolling their eyes and oh, saying yeah, like yeah right idea. dream on Trump, but they're you know they're looking into it because you know no one knows like you said what's going to happen with these tariffs. Um, but it's it's I I think that their their bigger impact and their bigger opportunity to make a difference is going to be in in retail and service. The app economy has made a big difference, um, and it's it's that's going to be where we see the growth. I agree. I think, I mean, there, but I could, it would be interesting. Uh, there, there are opportunities to improve America's manufacturing economy, but I don't think they're going to come by imposing tariffs. And it's, I don't want to get into political issues. I think it's more of an economic and like realistic one. Um, and America makes a lot of robots. Like I think uh, Trump had been saying, um, you know, not, I don't want to quote him endlessly because we know that he says two different things sometimes at the same time, but uh, a lot of robots are made or designed here. Um, America isn't the, I don't know if we're the, we're not the leading manufacturer of them per se, but there are a lot of companies here, you know, Germany and Japan have uh, leading robotics makers. Uh, as well, um, Roomba has sold, or iRobot, which sells Roomba, has sold millions of cleaning robots. Um, you know, tiny tiny scrubbers and uh, vacuumers. Um, and I think uh, maybe there's a bigger industry in assembling robots. Um, but you know, ma- manufacturing could have gains, but it's going to come from more efficient ways of leveraging workers as opposed to just bringing jobs from China here because they just they don't the people to do them don't exist and they can't do them at the wage that makes those products still affordable. The Simpsons. The Simpsons called this um, as, as in addition to calling President Trump. I mean, when Bart Simpson went to military school, they said, "Look, the wars of the future are going to be caught, fought in space with robots, and your job will be to build and maintain those robots." There we go. 
So there you go. That's, robots. That's the truth. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, okay. Robots and AI and that kind of stuff. Hey, speaking of robots, well, not exactly, but <laughs> I wrote a piece uh, this last week. I went up a couple of days ago about uh, Twitter. Did you have a robot write that piece. I wish okay, I could. Oh, tell my me. God. That's the future. That's the future. Ghostwriting and then robots. <laughs> well, we will be replaced by, by uh, AI uh, reporting tools that are being developed. Uh, so Twitter, um, you and I use Twitter, and uh, so does Mr. Trump. President-elect Trump and uh, Twitter. Uh, this may be very handy to people in this new era of Twitter. Um, that Twitter released some new tools, and I, I thought people knew about them. And then I was talking to folks, I felt like the announcement kind of went under the radar because it involved a number of pieces. So people looking at the harassment and reporting side were like, "This is great." Twitter has revised how you report tweets to let you tag things with that are more specifically hate speech that are, you know, targeted in violation of Twitter's rules. Like Twitter is not a free speech forum. Twitter is a forum run by a pro- private company that sets rules about the limits of speech. And some of those rules include not, you know, involving engaging in certain kinds of harassment and uh, specifically targeting people. And um, they didn't have a way to report exactly against their rules. So Twitter's improved the way you can report things so you can tag stuff with uh, the specific, you know, with more specifically, this is hate speech or this is offensive against a group, whatever. But the uh, at the same time, they added some, they added a long uh, requested tools to mute things. And one of them is mute this conversation, which is what I've always called. Uh, so you know how like uh, if you get a bunch of people in a Twitter conversation or replying, you have all these ad handles. Those are called canoes. I don't know who came up with it, but it's like you're on a canoe and you can't get off. Hey, at SF Suze. Hey, at Glenn F. Hey, at 30 other people or 10 other people, blah, 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 blah. Like, no, I don't want to be part of this conversation anymore. So now you can, uh, via Twitter.com or Twitter's own apps, you can look at one of the tweets in the conversation, tap, uh, it depends on what you're using. It's either three dots or a down arrow and select mute this conversation. And then you receive no more notifications about it. So it's still there, but none of the tools that alert you to continued tweets in it show up. Hmm. So it's like it's like you're getting off the canoe. Yeah, get me out of this boat. That's awesome. I just had somebody. So and so I mean, if people can go on talking. They can keep tagging you. But and if you go and look at your mo- your uh, notifications timeline, um, I'm trying to remember if you'll see. You They're still in your mentions. You just don't get a push notification. Oh, they'll show up. You know what it is? It doesn't show up in your notifications timeline. It shows up in your main timeline. Oh. Uh, but uh, without any highlighting, and it doesn't show up in the notifications timeline. So as you're scanning through it, you won't see it. And if you have alerts set up to notify you if people reply or whatever, none of those happen either. So it's, it's so you really only mute ones where you don't care about it because you're not going to be able to follow it very easily after that unless you go digging through your main timeline. Exactly, and you could unmute it later too. But it's, I mean, I'm I'm brought into conversations all the time where I'm like, I don't want to be rude and have to say, okay, would you please untag me? And then someone forgets and it's like being in an endless, you know, email CC list. Um, they also added a general mute feature so you can mute keywords, uh, hashtags. Other, Which we've okay. been loving on TweetBot forever and it's so great. So like if everyone's at CES and they're all tweeting about stuff and you're like, oh, I can't wait for CES to be over. You can end CES by just muting all the you know keywords that keep popping up around CES. So yeah, it's it's so great. The thing I don't like is that all the mutes in uh, Twitter are not timed. They're all permanent. So you have to go yeah. back and oh, sort. Oh, that is a big problem. Yeah, TweetBot lets you say, you know, mute this tag. Like, it's okay. a day, a week, a month, or forever. I use it constantly. Exactly, yeah. and Because I, I like saying, or, you know, someone goes on a, on a rant, like me. Like, people are like, I don't, don't want to see Glenn today because he is – 
tweeting too much. You can mute me for a day. I know people do that. I've muted you for a day many times. <laughs> I'm not offended in any way. Everyone, everyone should use Twitter in their own way. Um, but uh, the Twitter should also – I keep thinking they should incorporate a best of thing. So you could tag someone as give me uh, Susie's best tweets and I would only see like a subset. So you would tweet something and after like – it received a certain amount of attention, like 500 people read it, or it got five likes, or whatever, or That's retweeted five times. That's why I don't use times. the Twitter app, because it does that in your timeline, right? It'll be like, while well, you were away, and try to show you like really awesome tweets that it thinks that you you know might have missed, and not just put everything chronologically. I want to do that for individuals. I just want to say, like, here's somebody who's uh, a high-volume tweeter. I only want to see their best – or I want to see the stuff that other people found most interesting expose that to me in my timeline, but not their – that sounds like tweets. a different service. Like that sounds almost like a nuzzle thing or whatever. It, it is. Like a daily digest of like the top five tweets from your like top five tweeters or something. I want it to hear my timeline. I want it to be a constant thing. So as someone says something that other people find interesting and tagged, it just shows up in my timeline. Because <sighs> that would be. I would want it in a separate tab. I feel like the timeline be should be a pure pick. timeline and every step away from that like annoys me. Well, but if it's optional, I see what you mean. Well, I see I don't use any of the Twitter apps. I use third-party apps. And so I rarely yeah, yeah, see what they're trying no, to do. No, and every time I go into the Twitter app to like – because I like the notifications tab in the Twitter app better. But every time I look at the main timeline there, I'm just appalled. I'm like, no, 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 no. Too many ads, too much crap. Tweetbot forever. That's my reaction until it's, until it's no more. Uh, a couple other – Items to go over briefly. Uh, so did you buy anything on Black Friday? Uh, cheeseburger. Did you buy that cheeseburger online? Uh, yes. I think I ordered it through the Five Guys app and then went and picked it up. There we go. There we go. I bought nothing. <laughs> I bought nothing, though. I was kind of sick. I didn't, so buy, I didn't anything buy anything else. Yeah. We did our Thanksgiving because of uh, family travel. We did our Thanksgiving on Friday, so we really didn't go out and – and do that, but the reports are that it was the biggest um, online uh, Black Friday of all time. But I don't know yet. Um, I, I heard people talking about going to downtowns and being out and seeing, thinking it was pretty uh, empty by comparison. So I don't know. I'm curious how that all went. We went, I got, we like, went hiking. Gap sent me like 15 emails in the weeks before, days and weeks before, <laughs> saying buy now, 50 percent off. And I'm like, man, oh, you guys yeah. are struggling. And I just bought some jean, like old navy jeans, a few weeks ago with like. And I paid 55 or 60% off uh, retail between coupons and sales. And I'm like, something's not right here. I mean, that's just it's when they make all the money. But yeah, it's crazy. Like, okay, so between in the last week, I've gotten one, two, three, four, five. I've gotten about 20 emails from Kohl's. It's, uh, so yeah, they're nuts. I know. it's uh, I don't know about a business model in which you make like – what is it, like 40% of your money in about four weeks or something? Yeah, that seems like a lot of pressure. <laughs> and it's changing because people know the deals aren't as good. Our friends at the Wire Cutter, which was acquired by the New York Times, they run um, these deals. They're constantly looking for and running deals. And, and I should point out, IDG also has these deal posts you can find at the various sites like MacWorld.com as deals are uncovered. And, uh, you know, there's a revenue arrangement, which is disclosed. These are not advertorial, but it's like, you review something, it's like, hey, here's how you get it. And then the publication gets a piece of the sale if you purchase it. But we don't steal, you know, still the, all the high editorial standards still apply. And I know that Wirecutter does this thing around Black Friday. They work like crazy. They, they scour and look at all the advanced flyers that get released and all the stuff that's put out. They look at thousands and thousands of deals. And I forget what the number is. They usually find that it's an incredibly tiny it percentage. It was like 75 this time out of like 13,000 they scanned or whatever. They were like, these like 70 are worth your time. And oh I was like, God. wow, that's a lot. 
lot. Like I, I was surprised it was that high. Well, and the trick is, as you read these stories year after year, you realize that uh, Amazon and others, they increase and, and uh, in-store retailers or bricks and mortars places, they slowly increase the price. So mm-hmm, there's back-to-school mm-hmm. sales, and they increase the prices over September and October, so that the price in November at the beginning of the month is much higher than it might be at the beginning of October. Uh, so you could have gotten a better deal like October 1st than on November, you know, 27th. So the Black Friday deal is often either the same or or maybe slightly better or slightly worse than the price six weeks before. And that to me is most fascinating. So the moral of the story, and I've been taking that to heart, is that I look to buy stuff in essentially late September uh, or then after uh, Christmas when they are trying to clear everything out. I think more people are talking about that. Have you ever used Camel, 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 which tracks Amazon prices? No, I've heard it's great. I haven't needed to. It's so great. So it's a website, and then you can set up alerts. So if you want to buy a specific thing, um, and even, you know, like I have alerts for like a bunch of different shoes, like things that never go on sale. Um, And you can pull up a graph showing like the price and how it's changed over time. And then you can like, you know, you pick your desired price and kind of lock it in. And then when it gets to that price, it'll send you an email. But even just looking at the way the prices fluctuate over the year, like, yeah, it's crazy. I used to use um, Amazon subscribe and save to get a lot of like household staples delivered on a schedule. It was, we don't do it anymore. Um, and now that my son is no longer in diapers, yeah. but through those long diaper years, um, that's how we got the diapers delivered. And then I just started doing a lot, but I noticed that the prices were like, they were all up and down. So it was more of a convenience thing than a saving money thing. Cause like even like the same thing you'd order like a case of toilet paper every month or whatever, and it would be a different price every single month. So, so yeah, camel, camel, camel is a good tool. If you're not really sure if something's a deal or not, because you can see like what it has sold for every day out of the last like six months. And yeah. And then you can say, okay, well, I don't want to get it until it's at that low or 10% below that low or, and if you, are patient, it'll come up. So I've been uh, check it out. running uh, for 17 years now, running a site called ISBN.nu. That's a book price comparison site. It's a tiny plug. You can find it. It's, it's you can punch in ISBNs or search on books and find the prices at online retailers. And the, the interesting thing to me is that um, because there are so many books available so inexpensively that, um, uh, you know, a lot of times there's a, there are several uh, bookstores, online bookstores will have a used copy for like a penny and you pay four bucks shipping or something. So it's really hard to compare because uh, you have to start drilling down into conditions. Like the lowest price may not be, you know, unless you have, and I never set it up this way because each store reports things differently. You can't say, I want a, uh, a book in very good condition that's used that costs uh, $5 or less and is from a seller that has a 95% or higher rating, like that kind of thing is too complicated. So instead, you look for a book, you see all this range of prices, you click through, and you still have some research work to do because so many stores do these like one cent books that are essentially, you know, reader copy, reader conditions. So they're not great, but they're all the pages are there and they're intact. Uh, but they do it to send you catalogs or to get you on their own list or whatever. So um, books are a weird category. And like new books, you can get various prices from various places, but they tend to be pretty stable. It's the used book market that's really um, complicated. Uh, Susie, we have one more story. We just go over briefly. Um, something that I think is very important is, uh, the, uh, uh, the feds, at least the current administration, uh, want, uh, cell phone 
wants to have a, a driver mode. No. <clears throat> so that apps will not work. Well, wait, but wait. They want uh, they want uh, driver mode so that certain apps and features will not work while someone's driving. So you're saying no because you want passengers to still be able to use their devices, right? Um, you know, sometimes when you're driving, you have to like just at least change the playlist or something. Like, I, yeah, like they're gonna take it too far. That's why I don't like CarPlay that much. It locks you in too, down too much. Well, the question is, this is always that um, self-regulation. Yeah, you're not supposed to use your cell phone while you're driving. Well, cell phone, but everybody does. It's the, it's the um, well, right, but it's bad. <clears throat> I know, I know. But yeah, you're like, I'll be a passenger. Or I'll be on the bus. Or how are they going to get all those edge cases is the thing. Like, I just don't trust them to do it well. No, that's the, I mean, that's the question is, will they be able to, like part, I've read, uh, you know, I've read some research work about where they try to identify a driver, like they try to identify uh, using a camera, or other stuff, whether someone's sitting, you know, holding a steering wheel, uh, position wise, maybe infrared, like there's things, but I, you know, given the, there's been, the, one of the reasons is, you know, there's been an increase in uh, uh, accidents on the road. Like it's one of the first times, um, let's see, it's, uh, yeah, the first six months of 2016, highway deaths increased 10%, uh, which is, um, it's the largest annual percentage increase in 50 years. There's a huge reduction over the years with various uh, improvements in road safety and driver safety and speed limits um, and car safety. And now it's um, the texting and uh, cell phone distraction is probably a cause of many, many deaths. So- that's you know there's a reason there's a reason for it but yeah it has to be implemented well otherwise you know you don't want to lock out exactly anyone on a bus on a public transit all the passengers people in the back seat that doesn't make any sense yeah i just don't yeah if they can figure out a way to do it where it's not going to get it wrong um and it'll actually make a difference but i think that like i think uh, I saw in one of the articles about this, people were like, well, you know, like they crack down on DUIs and DUIs are going down, you know, and it was like a, a combination of education, awareness, and just cracking down. And I like, I know some people who have gotten tickets for using a cell phone in a car. My husband just got a ticket for using a cell phone in a car, like just a couple weeks ago. He was at a stop sign and like reached down to, or he was at a stop light and reached down to change the music and a cop happened to see him. Oh, even and if you're at a stop light. He was at at a stoplight. Uh, he was completely stopped. So he was a little shocked. But like, yeah, I mean, you know, crack down, make it super illegal and make sure everyone knows that you're cracking down. But you don't take it. don't like lock down my device. Like that just makes know. me mad. I don't know. Well, I, if I bought a device. It should use, it should work everywhere. Yeah. But if you're killing people, Susie, why are you killing people? I'm not killing anybody. Why are you killing people? Uh, well, it's, it's America, man. It's, freedoms. If, it's America. It is now. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in the future, in the uh, next administration, cars will just all be put with giant rubber bumpers around them and there'll be no traffic laws. And we'll see what happens. Well, I mean, pretty soon we're not going to be driving the cars anymore. So I feel like this is a problem that's going to work itself out. I don't know. I, I support anything that would prevent people from doing distracted driving within reason so that it doesn't take people's autonomy away from them or miss or work poorly. Um, the other thing is, so th there's a very simple way around this, which some people have talked about as well, is that. There could be a driver mode you engage on your phone. So you click – like airplane mode, you click driver mode and it reduces notifications. It only exposes certain features to you. It uses like CarPlay friendly buttons. Exactly. So CarPlay like – CarPlay without the stereo. And it could be entirely voluntary as well. It could be something that starts yes, out that way. Here's voluntary. your driver mode. And um, insurance companies could you know, give you points for yep, using driver mode. Um, there's that issue of uh, you know, some people have that for their teens. There's software you can install on some phones. They have phones. that at the movies now. Have you ever seen – like if you're at the movie? 
movies, they're like, download this app. And then when the movie starts, like put your phone in cinema mode and it'll like keep your screen dark and basically just like not let you use your phone while the movie is gone. But if you keep your phone in cinema mode for the whole movie, you get a coupon for like a free popcorn. So they're trying to like incentivize you to to do this polite thing that people should do anyway. Yeah, and if I think if you give people the option, if you say like, here's a way, you know you're going to be tempted while you're driving to do crap. So instead of that, here's driver mode. When you when you uh, plug it into your car stereo, it's going to recognize a stereo system and say, do you want to go into driver mode? And you'll be inclined to do it because you will be less distractible. And then maybe Siri has a different trigger or there could be all these things they do that make it better, that make it CarPlay, but much better um and then you could you yeah, know i mean if apple wanted me to be less distracted they could open up siri to third-party music services but they don't they have it locked to apple music so when i have to change the song i gotta do it with my hands that's right well those hands, <laughs> so why are you killing people apple that's right apple <laughs> stop killing people apple uh well that brings us to the end of our potpourri for this week and um folks uh as you know we're, there's uh you can't comment on the posts directly at macworld.com anymore but you can go to facebook.com slash Mac world. Uh, and did I say MacBook or Mac world? What did I say? You said facebook.com Mac world. I thought I said macbook.com slash. Okay. Well, this is, this is the end of my cold folks. Sorry. Uh, so you can go to facebook.com slash Macworld, or you can find us, you know, at Macworld on Twitter and, uh, send comments and feedback. So let us know what you're interested in. You can also email us podcast at macworld.com and we do get email uh, to that address as well. And we should start uh, doing more reader feedback, like reader mail, Reader mail. We should start doing more like reader mail bag kind of things because we're getting some really good emails to that email address. We would love to hear from y'all. So please keep the feedback coming. And uh, Susie, great to talk to you again. Great to talk to you too, Glenn. Thank you. Have a Sorry, great week. listeners, for all my coughing and hacking. We edited some of it out, but uh, getting over a cold. Um, I'll be back at full fighting strength next week and uh, hope you'll be here to join us. Uh, and this has been the Macworld Podcast, episode 536 for November 30th, 2016. See you next week. 